Are you a 3PL spending more time and money than you'd like recruiting and onboarding logistics roles? Then it's time to check out Rapido Solutions Group, the leaders in nearshore logistics staffing. Located right next door in Mexico, they have access to the freight talent you need. From carrier sales to tracking and tracing and everything in between, they can do the heavy lifting for you. So if you're ready to get your time back and want to move fast, check out Rapido Solutions Group. Visit GoRapido.com to get started today. Hello and welcome to the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics, the FreightWaves podcast highlighting founders doing it the way that doesn't get a lot of attention. We're here to change that and grow the small business community in our industry by sharing their stories and inspiring others to take the leap. I'm your host, Nate Schutz. Let's build something together from the ground up. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. As usual, it has been an exciting couple of weeks. We are picking up new listeners regularly. The network of logistics founders is growing rapidly, and it's always an exciting time to be in logistics, but no more so than what's going on in the last year or two in particular and all the exciting developments that are out there. Last week, big shout out to Matt Fain from Pop Capacity for sharing part of his story on what it's like to be a bootstrap SaaS founder in the warehouse space. And he has a really exciting road ahead of him. I saw some of his announcements earlier this week on some space that he just picked up around the country. So if you need warehouse space, go out and check Pop Capacity out. Today, I am excited to introduce a friend of mine that I've known for many years and a local Minneapolis vet, Sam Anderson, the president and CEO of Bay and Bay Transportation. Sam, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Nate? I'm doing fantastic. I've been looking forward to this for longer than you know. I recall a conversation that we had five or six years ago when we went out for breakfast one day and I was kind of needing some career advice. And you were kind enough to spend some time with me might have been just an hour of your time, but it had a, a huge impact on me and my journey personally. And it's not often that you get to give public shout outs of gratitude to people that have helped you along the way, but you have acted as a mentor in my career numerous times. So this is a special honor for me to get to help share your story and let you know how much your story has actually impacted me. So thank you for agreeing to do this. Let's jump in. First question for you, Sam. What does bootstrapping mean to you? Well, bootstrapping is, uh, you know, something that's kind of a nebulous uh, term, uh, you know, on the face of it. But, you know, I think most businesses go through it. It's something that we go through even at our size today is, you know, when you're in the trucking industry, it's a capital intensive business. And so we're having to make decisions each year as to how are we going to continue to try to manage the CapEx that we spend. So that, you know, at the end of the day, we have a balance sheet that's strong and allows us to go through the highs and the lows that we typically experience in the trucking industry. Yeah, the trucking industry is, it's in an interesting place right now, for sure. You have been with Bay & Bay for you know many years, and you don't have the typical founder story. Your story is much more rooted in generational business ownership, and the history of Bay & Bay goes back 80 plus years, doesn't it? Yeah, Bay and Bay was founded in 1941 uh, by uh, two brothers, the Morris brothers family. They eventually sold Bay and Bay to my parents in 1988. 
At that time, Bay and Bay was really focused just on uh, some local hauling. One of their customers was Cargill. They had businesses that actually dated back into the late 1800s where they were doing business with Cargill. So it's kind of fun to say between their family and our family, we've done business for over 100 years. The trucking that my parents acquired from the Morris family was really a, a pneumatic tank trucking business. At that time, we were hauling salt, road salt, to some of the different plants that use canning salt in their brines. Interesting. Everybody finds their way into transportation through some way, shape, or form. And if yours was brining salt, that's a great story. The other thing that I think is interesting about the Bay and Bay story is entrepreneurship through acquisition or, or buying another company is nonlinear. It's not, hey, there is a classified ad and say, hey, company for sale by owner or something along those lines. That's not at all how your parents came into the company, is it? No, actually, my dad was a mechanic for Mitchell Transportation. And uh, back in 1982, he was laid off. It was right around Thanksgiving time. Came in one Friday and the folks that owned that company said, we're closing our doors. Here's your last check. They had struggled through deregulation. And so my dad went home that weekend and talked with my mom and said, hey, there's some outside repair business here. Let's start our own repair business. They started Anderson Diesel Truck Service and uh, really just, you know, one person at a time. They actually hired one of the mechanics who also got laid off part-time because there wasn't quite enough work for two full-time mechanics. And then they eventually just added more business and you know, kind of right foot, left foot. You know, they'd add some more maintenance customers and then they'd add another mechanic. I still remember those days. I would go in, you know, eight, nine years old and 10 years old, sweeping floors, picking up grease rags, some of the best days. They eventually acquired or had the opportunity to do the maintenance on Bay and Bay's trucks and trailers. And that's really how they got to know the folks that owned Bay and Bay and started Bay and Bay. And then that led to the opportunity for like early vertical integration. Hey, instead of just servicing my customer, I'm going to acquire the customer. And really, actually, as a part of that, my dad had bought a old cab over international to just move trailers around the yard and in and out of the shop. One of the dispatchers at Bay and Bay one summer morning called up my dad and said, hey, we have an extra load here that we're trying to get moved. Is there any way you could drive down in your cab over and go deliver this load from Savage over to Glencoe, Minnesota? And my dad said, sure, no problem. He jumped in the truck himself and got down the road and hooked onto the trailer and went and delivered it and came back. It conjures images of a simpler time, doesn't it? The world certainly doesn't feel like it operates that way any longer. Tell us a little bit more then for context on Bay and Bay's size, scope, and services. Yeah, well, today uh, we're one of the 10 uh, largest refrigerated trucking companies in the country. We also have a uh, quite large logistics operation, which is a multimodal logistics operation. And what that means is we offer services in LTL, in full truckload, and then also intermodal. We're actually a true IMC where we have direct contracts with all six major railroads. So you have also a unique lens on what's going on in the world right now. We're in a, a new part of the freight cycle. This is not the first downturn 
that you've seen. As you think about some of the younger companies that are out there or first-time founders that maybe have had economic tailwinds for the last you know, five plus years, what advice would you have to small trucking companies or brokerages that may not know how to survive the next couple of years? I would say grit and determination will take you a long ways in business. The cycles will always happen. I think the thing that you need to prepare for, sure, there's understanding your financials is important. Creating a rainy day fund for your business is important. So that's one thing that I always tell people is make sure that along the way, when times are good, that you put a little bit away because at some point there's going to come a time where some fact or some metric in your business is going to change that you had not planned for. And that usually happens in these downturn cycles. If you're in logistics, it might be that your margin per load shrinks. You know, then you're faced with you have the same amount of staff. And if your margin per load shrinks by enough, you might have to really think hard about do we have too much labor cost today and for, you know, the unforeseeable future? Or we have a rainy day fund and we can use that rainy day fund to kind of get us through as a bridge to, you know, the next cycle turning up. And no company lasts as long as Bay and Bay has without surviving through not only economic downturns and cycles, but also just near catastrophe sometimes. So as you look back, what do you think of or what comes to mind on the hardest challenges or the biggest crises that you've faced over the last you know, 20 plus years? Well, that's an easy one. I can tell you that the darkest days for me were actually when we went forward with a strategic planning process and we hired an outside facilitator to help us actually do formalized strategic planning. We built a strategic plan and then we began executing that plan. That was back in 2015 and 2016. And that's where we converted four of our five over-the-road trucking divisions that were dry van into fully refrigerated trucking. And so the economy was good. We had come off of a record earnings year in 2014. What we didn't anticipate was the challenges that as we started to sell the dry van trailers, about 700 dry van trailers, and then we acquired about 350 brand new reefer trailers, that overlap, as well as our network changing, because we were going to begin servicing more refrigerated shippers in different markets. And then the driver mix changed. We had some drivers that didn't want to haul refrigerated products and pull a refrigerated trailer. So there was kind of a vortex. And then to compound that further, 2016 is well documented as a freight recession in our industry. The shippers that we had lined up in 2014 and early 2015 all of a sudden dried up because the freight got a little scarce. So what were the darkest days like for you as the owner? Well, we got to a point to where we were having a hard time cash flowing the business. We ended up, because it got bad, we ended up having to shrink the business. And so what was difficult is we had, in shrinking the business, we had to let go of people that I had worked with for a number of years. And it was really more a numbers situation. If we were going to be able to navigate these difficult waters, 
of keeping the business alive and allowing it to survive, we had to make some very, very difficult decisions that impacted people. And to me, that's the hardest thing is when you impact other people's lives. Well, you clearly had at that time a deep enough conviction to step away from something that was going well instead of letting, you know, riding that wave and, you know, maybe not innovating, you know, doing what a lot of large companies do, which is eventually get gobbled up. They lose market share to smaller, more nimble players who are seeing something that they're not. How did you reach that point of saying, I'm going to completely change our fleet, our model, our drivers during good times? It wasn't easy, but it was, you know, through a process that was a healthy process. And we look back on it now and the fact that we went through the pandemic and there were a lot of dry van trucking companies that shuttered and had to close their doors because of that just immediate drop in freight volumes. Because we were in the refrigerated sector, we actually saw our business soar and there was tremendous demand. Part of why we chose to go into the refrigerated sector was because hauling food is recession-proof. We'll be right back. Have you heard about Bitfreighter and the EDI revolution? Bitfreighter helps companies automate communication with their freight partners through unlimited messaging and quoting. Traditional providers can't say that. The Bitfreighter team is also available 24-7 and responds immediately by phone, email, or yes, even text. Legacy providers can't say that either. So if you want to scale your operations to save time and money, come join the EDI revolution with us. Visit bitfreighter.com to get started today. So talk about planning ahead and anticipating cycles and you know macroeconomic cycles on top of it. You have, I use the word conviction because that's what it is, the how you got there and the process to reach those conclusions. Lots of people might have done the same exercise or reached the same conclusions and never actually pulled the trigger. In my eyes, you're a different breed. You can absorb and hold on to more uncertainty and risk, somehow find a way to be level throughout it. Where does that come from? Well, it probably comes from my mom. She's always been, uh, you know, kind of this steady, very patient, tempering, thoughtful person. I get those traits from her. Just a wonderful lady, best mom you could ever ask for. I would say that's probably where I get it. I love to hear those kinds of stories where every you know tree grows up from a seed that was planted before it. And the story of Bay and Bay is a multi-generational story, which... Again, it does hearken to a simpler time. I know it's not. You're not somehow stuck in antiquity and not affected by what's going on in the world, but there's some kind of inherent, almost goodness that I would say that I've always detected in the Bay and Bay business. And that goes back generations. It's, it's something to be proud of. As we were talking about how we care about people in business, unfortunately, you do have to be numbers focused as well. You know, there has to be a balance between people and the results and the numbers. And we put a lot of energy and effort into, for example, our workspace. You know, we want to have a workspace that goes beyond just what most companies would have for a workspace. Uh, And that's because we really care about our people. And that's a case where we just, 
right out said we are going to spend more than norm because we want to provide this space that inspires our people to do great things for our customers. Well, let's stay on the people theme then a little bit more. Do you have a best work friend or someone that you, you know, talk with regularly to manage life as a, an owner? What I would say is one thing that's helped me over the years is having several networks of people to have as a support system. I've got our management team who I care for immensely and trust them explicitly with everything. Their feedback really is valuable, even at times when I don't want to hear or believe what they have to say. But that's the reality in business is you need to understand and be able to hear the good and bad, and also having support networks outside of the business, but with maybe colleagues of different industries or other things. I've been in a benchmark group with other trucking company owners and or executives. That was a very meaningful experience. I've been in YPO, which stands for Young Presidents Organization. That has given me a different set of experiences. And even still to this day, I still meet with my small group once a month, and we talk about what's going on in business, what's going on in life. The one thing that's certain is we all go to work every day. There is always someone who's experiencing a traumatic life event, whatever that might be. Maybe it's a family member that's passed away. Maybe it's someone who is very sick, you know, a friend that's lost their job. You know, a child that's, you know, not doing well in school. You know, I've met business leaders over the years who have taken the approach of, yeah, when you get to work, you leave your problems at the door and you're here to work, deliver results. I would say I differ with that. You know, I think that we have to be mindful of people being people. When someone's having a tough day or if there's a life event going on, you know, we've got to have empathy. And especially with our drivers who are out there on the road, away from their families, and can't be there to show up that night and, you know, hug a loved one. And so they've got to try to do it over the phone or through a video conference. And that's one thing we talk about regularly here is especially with our drivers, making sure that we're attuned to what might be going on outside of just driving a truck, the pressures that they might be under. But really for all of our employees, try to sense when someone's uh, having a tough day and just say, hey, how you doing, Joe? And sometimes they may not want to talk about it. You know, I think it's uh, important to do that. I was having a conversation with somebody that I mentor recently who was navigating some employee issues. It was the first time that he had encountered this type of an issue before. And I was sharing with him that over a large enough sample size, a large enough number of interactions and people, you begin to identify patterns. You can tell when an employee is signaling that they're going to leave the company. After you recognize them, you can take action. If it's somebody that you want to save, you can have that conversation. You can also identify when somebody's ready for a step up. You can also, like you mentioned, you can tell when somebody's behaving outside the norm of how they would typically be that there might be something going on beneath the surface that is outside of work or is a life event. I don't know if there's any advice that we can offer from that other than, you know, it kind of does just come with experience. If you're observing carefully 
and trying to learn from the people and learn from the situations instead of just looking at the numbers, it really can add stability to the business. Aside from being good as a human being, it's also sustainable practice for the business to think that way because you're looking to keep something enduring for a long time and paying attention to the lifeblood of the company's people is one way of doing that. I don't know if you have any thoughts to add to that. I think you've said it well. You know, just what you're describing really is the core at people having empathy. I was recently at a Minnesota Trucking Management Conference where we had a speaker who talked about empathy. What caught my attention was he said, you know, having empathy doesn't cost you anything. You know, how many times do you go to a presentation or a conference and the speakers get up and they talk about all of these things you can do for your business that come with a cost? You know, you can buy technology or you can buy a a new truck or you can buy this. And empathy is one of the greatest characteristics of good leaders. And it doesn't cost anything. Yeah, showing your humanity ends up, it hasn't always been that way, of course. The workplace hasn't always been seen as a place to, to have empathy or vulnerability. That has shifted. And it's a different skill set to manage multiple generations. This is more of a, a generational thing that's kind of emerged over the last couple of decades. And the figurehead of the company being more approachable by being vulnerable is a huge advantage if done authentically. You can't fake it. One of the questions I always like to ask of you know, top-level leaders is, what's your most embarrassing moment that you've experienced in the business where others saw you as a completely vulnerable human being because you're just like them. Yeah, I would probably go back to the 2016-2017 time period. There was a lot of uncertainty around our business. We had to make some of those choices that weren't fun and that we had not planned for, and it impacted people. One of the insights, the learnings that I got out of that was, you know, we had to let a number of people go what we didn't plan for was other people who were critically important to the business were fearful. They left the company as well. And so not only did you lose some folks in one department or another, but in other departments where maybe we weren't making cuts, some of those folks were just not sure that, that we were going to make it. And so I think the theme for quite a while was you know, is Bay and Bay going to be here? Are they going to be around? And thankfully, the grit and the determination kept us going even till this day. You know, the experience of having survived and lived through that most difficult uh, business situation is still very close on my mind. Some of the people that I look at as colleagues and or coaches that help me, we call it healthy paranoia. Having a healthy paranoia, even when times are good, I'm paranoid about certain things. When times are tough, I like to tell our people that we make the difference. When times are really good, I think sometimes we as humans like to take more credit for things than we probably should. That's just the market. Yeah, you've got some tailwinds that you didn't create that you benefited from. And and maybe let's have some humility. I like that. Last question then, we started the conversation by me sharing with you how much your mentorship has meant to me over the years. I'd like to give you a chance to 
maybe name some names and give a shout out to a few of those who have helped you along the way. That's great. That's awesome. And by the way, you've taught me some things and I've learned some things from you as well. So I, I've always kind of been a lifelong learner. I love to share ideas and trade thoughts and debate things because I think it's healthy uh, and you can learn a lot from that. A couple of people that I would give a shout out to would be um, two people in particular. One gentleman, his name is Chuck Larson. Chuck came on board with us from a company called Northstar back in 1999. And we were just a small, you know, 40 driver trucking company at the time. We brought Chuck on as a general manager. Prior to us, he was the VP of safety for uh, Northstar. They were about 600 drivers. And I learned so much from Chuck over the years. You know, having that humility and having that empathy were two big ones. Later, we had an individual by the name of Chip Smith who came to join our organization. Chip is someone who has taught me an immense amount about the brokerage and logistics industry, has introduced me to so many people who I now call friends and colleagues, and has just uh, put me in a position to where I can really um, you know, have some people that be able to call friends for the rest of your life. What I love about your paradigm, Sam, is you recognize none of this is an individual effort. You didn't get where you are by yourself. This wasn't your success. You've had a ton of success. I mean, to be a top 10 carrier in the entire country, obviously you've done a whole bunch of things right on the technical side and managing the cycles and the markets. But it comes through so clearly that this is not an individual effort. And that is exciting to be around. It is encouraging, I believe, for other people to know that there are folks out there kind of at the top who have that viewpoint, because it isn't always that way in the business world. No doubt there are horror stories to go along with every you know, heartwarming story. I'm glad to know you and to get to walk part of your journey with you and you with me. So on behalf of the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics podcast, thank you so much for your time today, Sam. Where can folks find you? www.bayandbay.com or feel free to email me anytime. It's Sam, the at symbol, and then bayandbay.com. And thank you. Absolutely. Let's keep chatting. I always enjoy learning from you and you've got a great eight decade history behind you. And I hope there's eight more ahead of you. Amen, brother. Thanks for listening to another founder share their story on the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. If you'd like to become part of the story yourself, please subscribe to our show and leave a review. Thank you. And we'll see you next week.